I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here and we are doing uh, one of our new series which you know I love to do these. This one is called Character Matters and it's with Dr. George Simon. Many of our listeners know who he is. I want to list his books really quick because then you'll really know who he is. In Sheep's Clothing, Character Disturbance, The Judas Syndrome, How Did We End Up Here? Dr. Simon, thank you so much for agreeing to do this series with me, and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kristen. Glad to be here with you. Yes. Now, we were just talking about, you know, recent events, and I said, wait, hold the phone. Let's let's get this recorded. So can you can you begin that conversation again? Well, I think we are beginning to see how important character matters. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, when we as a society, as a culture, when we decide that it's going to matter again, then it will matter. And for a long time, it hasn't mattered to us. And and what, what has really stoked our social and economic and political divide, what has really divided us among ourselves so greatly over the past uh, several years, is that we have paced a premium on advancing our own personal agendas, uh, and we have set that uh, that value as a higher value than character. So we see this even being played out right now, uh, for example, in confirmation hearings. Uh, it, it, we've seen it play out in, in elections of various types, not just the presidential election, but folks get far more invested in um, advancing what they believe to be their own legitimate causes and somebody that they think will serve those causes. And uh, they set character matters aside. And uh, we are reaping, unfortunately, the fruits of that tragic decision. Yes. Nothing matters to us more than character, whether we like it or not, or are prepared mm -hmm. to admit it or not. And it's coming back to bite us in the rear very big time now, because Absolutely. a long time ago we decided that it didn't matter that much. And we're getting a hard lesson. We're being taught a very hard lesson about how much indeed it does matter. 
and the, the events of the last couple of days really underscore this, with some folks uh, even, uh, there's this report uh, that's going to be coming out in the uh, op-ed section of the New York Times uh, by an anonymous writer right. within the uh, current administration saying that there are some people who covertly place the value of the country so ahead of personal and uh, and political uh, considerations that they are working under the undercover to basically mitigate damage that could be done by someone who they believe has an unscrupulous character. Now that that's a yeah. statement in and of itself. I know, and but they're it, getting blasted. Let me tell you, I've I read the you know I was on my iPad this morning, and and that they're getting blasted all over the place for writing that piece. Yes. But it really underscores what some people are beginning to recognize. As a matter of fact, I just kind of grin and I feel, I have to say, a certain amount of satisfaction when I finally hear people talking in the terms that I've been talking for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. I heard somebody uh, the other day say that at the core of the problem was this basic amorality rooted in the lack of an appreciation for a higher power or moral authority. In other words, uh, what they saw at, at work with our current president is that decisions are made and uh, causes are undertaken without sufficient regard for some governing higher principle that it's all about uh, personal advancement, image, it's all about um, power, uh, fulfilling promises that were made in order to keep and gain even more power and uh, earn accolades and be adulated in one uh, way or another. And uh, there is no governing principle. Right. Uh, and this really shakes people up. And uh, I can't believe how many folks are starting to get this right. Uh, one of the things that uh, I teach in my workshops to both professionals and lay people is um, the reason that a certain type of narcissist will play so fast and loose with the truth. Reality for them is what they say it is. And uh, the reason they can do that is because they do not respect any higher power or authority, no governing authority in their life. There's no, no truly governing principle other than their own self-advancement. So yeah. uh, usually re, re, objective reality uh, stands kind of in combat with us. It, it, it confronts us in a way that we have to reckon with it. We have our own ideas about things. We have our own wishes and desires. And they come in a conflict with objective reality. So objective reality is kind of like a higher power to most of us. And we have to reckon with it. And sometimes, whether we like it or not, or whether we want to admit it or not, we have to subordinate ourselves to that more objective reality. Well, certain kinds of narcissistic individuals can't even recognize, let alone respect, any higher power or governing principles in their lives. And I'm not talking necessarily about some kind of monotheistic God figure. 
uh, <laughs> I'm talking about some higher principle, whether it be the welfare of the universe, the welfare of humankind, uh, the, the overall uh, well-being of the planet, whatever your bigger picture Right, Some, something government. outside of themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything outside. Exactly. Anything, Any, anything Bees, outside. Uh, dog treatment, anything other and, than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, I think that people are beginning to realize that now, and they're also beginning to realize the tremendous damage that can be done when this pathological level of egocentricity uh, is afforded power. So um, I think we're being taught some very serious lessons. And the only comfort I take in any of this, because the ordeal is not pleasant, yeah. the only comfort that I take in this is that maybe, just maybe, this time, we will come to the conclusion in large enough numbers that character finally really does matter. Um, and um, if that happens, um, I will have, um, uh, I will have felt not so much vindicated, but I will have felt um, humbled by taking, uh, by having a small part to play. Right. And sounding the alarm and getting that message out there. Absolutely. And so are you seeing you know, the tide turn with some people who maybe were supporters before. I'm not experiencing that, but are you? Yes, especially when you can get people within the inner, inner circle saying, okay, we recognize that in order to even be here, we have to play the game. But we, although we are ostensibly here to serve the power that brought us here, we serve a higher power and therefore what we are really doing undercover is our best to mitigate any damage that our leader might do. Now that is serving a higher power. Absolutely. And, 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 that, and that is a recognition, not only that character matters because they wouldn't be taking such action if they didn't recognize the dangers posed by this very significant character disturbance with power. I know. That action. And it, it's it's fascinating because some of the things that I've read have said, oh, these people are cowards. If they really were about the country, they would come out and say, and I'm like, really? That's where you're going to go? That's called apathy. Right. And um, do you think that they can do that, that they have as much of a, um, as much power to influence if they out themselves and say, this is what's going on. Absolutely not. They'll be out of, you know, this is where whistleblowers <laughs> end up in a quagmire. Um, because what do we do? Do we continue trying to avert disaster or do we leave and cause a stink and which one is going to be the one that makes the most impact for the good of all? And, right. It's a tough seat to be in. It's real easy to label someone like that a coward, but not if you've been in that situation yourself. Well, every single one of these people knows what 
kind of power could be brought to bear against them. Absolutely. What kinds of recriminations they could face from IRS tax tax audits to uh, any number of shenanigans. Their family. Oh, my gosh. So to um, that's a great tactic, manipulation tactic to label these folks uh, cowards. But it takes a it not only takes a lot of guts, but it takes a lot of commitment to something much bigger than self to take these kinds of actions and to be so bold about them in the face of a known bully who will who will stop at nothing to seek retribution. You know, what I find interesting, too, and I, I still have a hard time with this, there are people that I absolutely respect profoundly and care about dearly, and they still will argue and say, oh, he's just a really smart man and he's just doing what he needs to do and our economy has been better than it's ever been and people just need to, you know, stop all this hate and let him do the job he needs to do. And I listen and these are, you know, MDs, PhDs, you know, I I just in psychology, no less. And I'm like, what on earth is it that you're not seeing? Well, in a sense, in a sense, they do have a point. And it really reflects some of our cultural values. Mm. Some strategies, as um, distasteful as they are, work. They get certain results. And uh, if that's all you care about, if that's all you care about, um, then you pay a price. Right. Um, in the in the end, however, in the end, uh, the 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 costs of our sins, so to speak, catch up with us. Um, so um, the fact that we have been largely a society very much in the same vein, if we get the results we seek, if things are working for us, if we get the money we want, we get the positions we want, we get the power we want. If things are working well for us, then we say uh, we're being successful uh, and uh, all the rest are just sore losers, just whiners and complainers who just need to get with the program. (laughs) And it really points out how far we are from a commonly accepted governing higher power. Mm. We have had as part of our culture for way too long this this uh, kind of um, everybody for themselves and yes. um, if if you do all the right things play by all the right rules and do what you're supposed to do then you will be rewarded and to a large extent that's true but there's more to the picture and we've had blinders to that bigger picture for far too long. Here's what's happening. Folks are waking up. Good. They're waking up in so many ways. And um, I just hope, (laughs) my prayer is that we're fully awake before it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. We're not only fully awake, but we're awake enough in numbers strong enough uh, to avoid some of the uh, really serious problems I see coming down the pipe. 
What would um, not waking up in time look like? Just a scenario. Well, you know, I, I was watching a series the other day on, on the, the, the folks that control the purse strings. Uh, from the Russian oligarchs who launder money all over the place and invest it where they think it will do the most good to help Russia reclaim its days of glory, uh, to the big bank uh, financiers who will enrich their uh, certain clients, um, but as primarily to serve their own agendas. And what we have going on is a concentration of wealth and power like we've not seen in a long time. And, uh, you know, the, the event, the eventual reality will be is that those folks who are increasing numbers, who are disadvantaged by the system and the way it works, will have had enough. And we will have conflict, intense conflict. We see it now. And when people get desperate, they resort to desperate means. Right. Um, we've see, And we see that now. We get see the beginnings of it. But I think it will be worse um, if we don't wake up and wake up en masse and realize that we're all in this, whether we like it or not, or whether we care to admit it or not, we are in this together. And uh, we, uh, we will make it if we decide uh, to cooperate. Uh, and we won't make it if we decide to perpetuate this old system whereby it's pretty much everyone for themselves. And because an uncommon number of folks are doing very, very well, they can let everything else go by the wayside. Yeah, it's, that, that is the piece that absolutely just fascinates me, I guess, because I've always been a volunteer or, you know, been an advocate of some kind or another. I don't understand that self, self, self piece. Um, I don't understand. I, I understand blind obtuseness and I understand narcissism and how it <laughs> been around enough of them to see, you know, how that works. But people that are not obtuse um, that allow these things to continue on. And, you but know, I'd this... like to make it even more real than that, Kristen. I was just yeah, thinking please do. That many, many listeners will think um, that the, that we're only talking here about big picture issues. These same principles that we've been talking about, they apply in every single instance of everyday life. True. Let's just take marriage and family for example, when there is a governing higher authority, in other words, when a couple places the welfare of their family, the welfare of their children, the, the sanctity of their bond, when a couple places that above their own uh, more selfish, banal in interests, that marriage takes on an entirely different character. Yes, it does. And that family becomes the bedrock foundation of a healthier society. Yes, that's true. 
So, you know, these principles that we're talking about, that yes, they apply to the very big picture, but they apply at every single level of our existence. At every single level, from our smallest relationships to our government affairs, to our business affairs, to our international affairs, the same principles apply. And that's why character matters so much. That was such a, you you have done this often. That was such a good round out to character matters. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all true. I, I, I'm not saying that to be facetious. I just thought that is so perfect. Um, absolutely. And people have heard this, but I just have to say it. I mean, the things that you go back to when you look at, you know, substance abuse, trauma, you know, generational trauma, all of those things that can happen in families. And you can see a family that, you know, survived it. The parents went through sheer hell together figured out how to find a way back to each other because it's what was best for the family and their kids and ultimately for themselves. Um, people I see are starting to sort of, uh, that have talked about this stuff, this is good stuff for a long time, are starting to sort of be able to come out of the woodwork and say it more publicly without being blasted for being traditionalists or what have you, because that's not what they're saying. They're not saying, oh, everyone has to be married or, or what have you in order to have a family. That's not it at all. It's just that everyone has to make these choices right. about being what's good for everyone, right. not just themselves. You know, I uh, one of the most edifying things, and I, I may have said this before, but for the benefit of your audience, I think it's worth me mentioning again. I get between 50 to 60 emails a week through my blog at manipulative-people.com mm -hmm. requesting consultations of various uh, kinds with me. Now, most of, most of the requests come from people who are in disadvantaged situations and they're they're trying to rest themselves from one down positions and they'd like my assistance applying the principles that I, I advocate in my books uh, so that they can empower their lives but increasingly increasingly I am hearing from people it used to be two to three out of the 50 to 60 emails a week then it went to four to five now it's about five to six I'm looking at seven or eight here anytime soon <laughs> Increasingly, I'm getting approached by folks generally in their mid-40s to late-40s, early-50s, mid-50s, who have finally come to realize why their lives have been such a shipwreck mm. and that it has to do with the ill health of their character. Oh, wow. And they've, and they've read some of the material and they found themselves there and they thought, hmm, maybe just maybe my way of seeing things and my way of doing things, my very approach to life, maybe it's just not working as well as I thought it did. And maybe, just maybe, if I change a few things, I can prevent this fourth marriage from crumbling. Right. Uh, because, because it's already on the rocks. Um, and they seek me out too. Good. So what, what, what's happening is not just disadvantaged folks. It's folks with the problem uh, who have 
Uh, I, I like to say that by grace, uh, through very good fortune and happenstance, they've been dealt enough of blows in their life. They've, they've suffered enough as a result of their own poor uh, choices and way of doing things that they've not only began, begun to question their actions and their decisions, but their very approach, the very aspects of their character that have defined them for so long and thinking that they might really have to change. And boy, I have to tell you, I don't find any work more rewarding than that. When, when someone comes at that point um, and they really want to build a life, man, I just, I just want to tell you, uh, there's, just, <laughs> there's nothing I can think of that I do more satisfying. It's pretty darn satisfying to help people who have been in one down positions, um, recover their dignity and empower themselves. But generally at that point, they've already kind of gotten a clue. They've right. already kind of w w w waken up and they've woken up and, and, they, and they're wanting some reinforcement. But to actually w work with people who are wanting to be better people and to help them along in that process, uh, I don't know how it gets any better than that. Yeah, you and I talked about that and we'll we'll close with this because you you had said you wanted to have a different, you know, different conversation regarding what's out there and so prevalent about narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder and I you know, I thought good because it's it's yes, the pendulum has has swung far to the other side um and it does need to come back to a good middle point. Um, because there are people out there that are galvanized to say no one can be treated. This is unrecoverable. No one has an awakening. They're just damaged for the rest of their life and will damage others for the rest of their lives. And that's absolutely not true. <laughs> it just isn't true. Yeah. Well, in some cases... In, in some, some cases, the, yes. the, road, the road to health is a, is such a steep one, um, <laughs> uh, and the barriers to that growth are so intense that it does seem pretty hopeless in some cases. But fortunately, those cases are the exception and not the rule. Yeah. Uh, we can it's talk about that more later, about the, the spectrum of character disturbance. Yeah, let's do that on another show. That would be fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to make sure we cover with today's talk? Uh, yeah, I think that it's important to dis to really look at the various types of narcissism that there are. Okay. Uh, and how those types of narcissism uh, factor into various character disturbances. Um, and I also think we need to look at the, the really horrendous inadequacy of our methods of categorizing and diagnosing and therefore planning treatment accordingly. Uh, we, we, have a, uh, we have a system that, that works as best as it can, but it is flawed, for lack of a better term. And we need to do better. And, we, and I'd like to talk about that just a little bit, too. Because Absolutely. We have a system now that basically puts labels on things based on behavioral descriptions. 
And it really doesn't tell us very much uh, when we do that. You know, it's kind of like the term dyslexia, which literally means trouble reading. So um, that's what, I mean, that's what the word translates to. It means trouble reading. So uh, a a parent comes in to the, the professional and says, hey, my kid has trouble reading. And then the professional says back, oh, they have dyslexia. Well, that's just what the parent said. <laughs> um, you, you haven't given any new information. You've just described it and given it a fancy name. The big question is, okay, what causes it and what do I do to fix it? That's the, those are the big questions. Exactly. <laughs> And how do how do you see, you know, in being in the field the way that you are being able to offer education so that we so that the people that are making these diagnoses open up to thinking and looking at things differently? Well, that's what my books, my blog and my workshops <laughs> have been all about, you know, uh, and I'm taking a big of a, a bit of a hiatus uh, for the rest of the year on traveling workshops. I'm not going to do any until uh, uh, the first of next year, uh, taking a bit of a breather to catch up on other work uh, and do more consultations. But um, those are those are the prime ways, especially the workshops to professionals, because as I get the word out to them, they spread the word and they also put it into practice in their practices. So, uh, you know, I, I'm able to uh, affect more folks that way, I think, uh, than just even being on the radio or uh, making television appearances. Although I like to do both again here, right. get things lined up. Yeah, it's keeping the message out there, keeping the education going, continuing to talk about it. Um, I had this little bit of a dilemma for me only where I went back and I, when you do podcasts, only your most 300 episodes are going to show up, you know, in iTunes as an example, because RSS feeds don't, you know, they don't hold (laughs) more than that much information. And so some of our most downloaded shows, all of which were about narcissism, (laughs) are from two and three years ago. And so we went back and we were, you know, we we repurposed those and when we're reposting them out and I thought, well, should I do that? Because I'm in a much different place now about this than I was then. So is it good to, um, you know, kind of rehash that information? And we really had to think about that and think, well, okay, it's still good information. People are still downloading those shows. We have a lot of new listeners that have never heard them and yeah, we should. There's a reason why there were a lot of listens to those. We should re-air them. So, uh, you know, it's a fine line, it feels like, sometimes with what you'll talk about when it comes to these topics. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, 
copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.